0: Ah, good evening, traveler, and welcome to the Penumbra. Tonight's tale is Juno Steele and the Bird's Eye View. If you wouldn't mind taking a seat at
1: the table, Mr. Steele. Nice dining room. Is this where the doc meets all his guests?
0: Typically, we would arrange a showing at your own estate, Mr. Steele. But seeing as your time is limited, we're more than happy to make accommodations. Dr. Hoffman will be in to consult with you shortly. Help yourself to anything you'd like.
2: Help yourself to anything you'd like. Uh, oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Bird.
1: I didn't know then how much trouble that bird was about to cause me, but it drew my eye anyway. Its eyes were bright green, I remember that, and arranged in little crescent moons on either side of its beak. It looked beautiful. Pristine. Then it ruffled its feathers, and on the skin wringing its neck, I saw a long and sickening bruise. My name's Juno Steele. I'm a private eye, and I didn't know it then, but noticing that bruise was going to buy me a case, and hopefully a lot of answers. Anyway, it only took me about a day after the case on Lono to figure out where Rita the Ruby and I were headed next. It was just a hunch based on a coincidence, but it seemed like a pretty damn big coincidence to me. So I called McMurkery up and asked him the burning question. Where'd you get the dog, Mick? Oh
0: man, Jay, you're gonna have to be more specific than that. I've had a lot of nightmares that start with someone saying that to me. What the hell does that even-
1: Never mind. Wilco, Mick. Where did you get Wilco?
0: Oh, right. Uh, well, my dad knew this lady that had a bunch of puppies. I mean, her dog did, not her, I assume. I guess I never really
1: asked. Which went on for a while. You know how conversations with Mick go. But eventually, like trying to force an octopus to try on a pair of briefs, I had all the squirmy bits deposited where they needed to go. Oh, you mean who brought Wilco back to life? Yes, thank you. That's Dr. Hoffman's work. Lawrence
0: Hoffman. He's the biggest deal going in reanimating dead
3: deadpats.
1: Is there a lot of competition?
3: <laughs> he's the biggest deal because he's the only deal in town. Or anywhere else, I guess. I heard he invented the procedure
1: himself. And that is how I got on the trail of Dr. Lawrence Hoffman. Born Lawrence Gaspard. If there really was tech that could bring a person like Slip Jackson back to life, Dr. Hoffman should know about it. Hell, he would have been the one to make it if I was lucky. So I took his number from Mick, called him on the comms, and the next day Rita, the Ruby, and I were at his estate, a floating villa over the endless ocean planet Bacchus. The villa itself gave me the creeps, to tell you the truth. There was something about how empty it all felt. Something about the sound of the sea so far away that made it all feel hollow, like a ghost ship lost on the waves. Lawrence Hoffman didn't leave me waiting long. Within a few minutes, he bustled into the room Rita and I were waiting in his forehead covered in sweat and bushy eyebrow. He had the kind of harmless, overly busy bearing of a clown at a kid's party, always in a sweaty hurry to get not much of anywhere at all.
3: Ah, so you must be Juno Steele, and a guest. I have to tell you, Mr. Steele, it's a real pleasure to have a guest in my house again, let alone two. It really is. People who get to know me always seem to head for the hills. And given there's not a single hill here on Bacchus, that means they run pretty darn far. <laughs> How's Mr. Mercury doing? He had me work on... Uh, Wilco, wasn't it?
1: I'm mixed doing great, and Wilco's... alive
3: got a hell of a memory, Dr. Hoffman. I remember every pet I work on. These days, it's just about all I remember. The mind goes so fast, and when you didn't have much of one to begin with, it goes even faster. But every revivified animal is a puzzle in its own way. That's why the process is so, well, expensive. It requires individual um, care. A mutt like Wilco—well, look at me. Mutts like Wilco are my people. A mutt is an interesting case, because spare parts can come from just about any breed of dog. Spare
2: parts?
3: Oh, I try to use as much of the original animal as I can, but sometimes the damage is just too extreme and a replacement is needed. Replacement legs, replacement face... Uh, Oh, but oh, that's not what I did for Wilco. Uh, That's what I'll be doing for myself when they get around to revivifying me. (laughs) You? So you
1: can revivify people?
3: Officially? Of course not. Immoral. Reprehensible. An ethical quagmire. Officially. And, uh, unofficially? (laughs) But I must say it isn't often that two people come together to have their beloved pets revivified. Usually, I think it's a surprise, and uh, hopefully a good one. Are you two together?
1: Not at all. We're, uh... I mean, Rita is just my, my uh... Reader, Rita, you sure do know how to make a lady feel special. Rita's my secretary, Dr. Hoffman, and I've got one other confession for you, too. We're not actually in the market to revivify an animal.
3: You, uh,
1: aren't. Sorry. We're actually looking for someone, and we think you might have some information that could help us find him.
3: Uh, yes, well, I'm sure I would know anything about that.
2: Well, Dr. Hoffman, it's real important. If you just listen to a couple I'm of really questions...
3: I'm really very busy. Is that, um... Everything, because if so, you might want him to be on your way.
1: I was losing Lawrence Hoffman fast, and I knew it. Problem was, losing him wasn't actually an option. If I had any hope of finding Nereev, it would be through the Slip Project. Lawrence was my only lead. I had to get him talking, preferably about something he wouldn't want to shut up about.
2: On your way, on your way.
3: Yes, I was just thinking something similar, Monty, and with Monty's Rat- his name, huh? Rita and I were just talking about what a beautiful bird he is.
2: Uh, uh, right. I ain't never seen this kind of bird before, neither. What's it called?
3: Monty, you mean. Yes, he really is a beautiful specimen, isn't he? Makes me look even worse by comparison. Uh, Monty is a Shingoan emerald cockatiel. Not truly a cockatiel in the Earth's sense, of course. One of many cases of alien convergent evolution that... We, well, the details are probably pretty dull, but he is beautiful, isn't he? This
1: must be one of your uh, reanimated animals, right?
3: Yes, he is. But I thought... Uh, well, I thought we'd done well enough on the reconstruction that it would be impossible to tell.
1: It's good, sure, but not impossible. The neck underneath all those feathers, it looks like it's been broken, maybe twisted more like...
3: Ah, and can you tell anything else from the wound?
1: No, but the rest of the bird sure tells a story. That neck wound is the only mark on it. Besides that, it seems healthier than me. Hell, even
3: its talons look like they've been given a pedicure. Ah, no cost too great. My mother always said I'd never find anyone I loved more than myself. Well, my bird looks great and I'm a mess, so who's number one now, Ma? You said you're looking for someone. And you called her your secretary, then you wouldn't by chance happen to be uh, an investigator of some sort?
1: I am, actually. Juno Steele. Private eye. I hope you don't mind my saying so, Doc, but that tone of voice usually means someone needs my services.
3: Hmm, yes, Juno Steele. How about I make you a deal, Mr. Steele? I'll pay you your usual rate, and I'll answer any questions you have. But first, you have to solve a case
1: for me. That sounds like my favorite kind of deal. What kind of case are we talking about?
3: A, um, murder most foul, like they say. (gasps)
2: Someone got killed?
3: Who? Who? Who?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm asking.
3: The victim is in this room. So's the prime suspect, to be honest with you. The
1: victim? You mean your cockatiel? Monty?
3: That's right. Hey, you're, uh quite the detective.
1: But if that's the victim, who's the suspect?
3: Because it ain't
2: Rita. I never seen this bird before, and not a jury in the world would convict me. I'm innocent, I tells you, innocent, and I ain't going down without a fight.
3: The suspect? That'd be, well, me. <coughs> uh, maybe I have to explain a little bit. Monty is, well, he's more than just an incredibly rare and expensive alien avian to me. He's... you you know what it's like, detective, to have it all and then lose it? To go through the days of your life doomed to remember that the best ones are behind you, and that everything that follows is just marking time, waiting until you're gone and not even your memories can hold you anymore? I sure hope not, Doc. Honestly, I hope you don't either. That's a hell of a rough road. It is. And i thought it over for years and years, and I think I started down that road around the same time. No. No, I know I started the night Monty was killed. And most likely, I killed him.
1: Most likely? Shouldn't you know one
3: way or the other? The problem is I just don't remember, Detective. One minute it was all dark. The next, I was awake with a dead bird in my hands. But I've got to know what happened to him because... Oh... If I destroyed my own life, then I guess I've just got to live with that. But if there's a chance, I didn't do it. If there's any little chance, I might be able to squirm out from under this big boulder of guilt I've had crushing out my ribs all this time. I have to take it. And if someone else did this to me, if I could just get my hands on them... (laughs) That's just an old man wishing things were some other way. I spend a lot of my time doing that these days, but all the same, I'd like to know just how much I ought to hate myself, if you know what I mean. Knowing how much of your lot's your fault, it's kind of a closure, isn't it? And if you can get me that closure, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Really. So that's the job I have for you, Detective. But I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a catch.
2: Oh, it's okay, Dr. Hoffman. Every case has got its catch. So long as it ain't the getting Mr. Steel blown up kind, it's all right. And honestly, sometimes I think he likes that kind too, so. What is
3: this catch, exactly? The day I'd like you to investigate was quite a long time ago now. 27 years long. It's
1: been 27 years since your bird was killed.
3: And you want me to figure out how it happened? Where the hell was it? in this very room. My dining room. A room which has been rearranged and cleaned many times in the decades since. You'll find no evidence here. (sighs) Is something wrong? You seem cold. I'm not, but this case sure as hell is. Then uh,
1: you don't think you can solve it. I never said that. A 28-year-old murder, that's pushing it. But 27? I can solve a 27-year-old murder in my sleep, but because I like you, Dr. Hoffman, I'm going to do this one awake. Rita?
2: Got my type and fingers all warmed up, Mr. Steele.
1: Yuck. Dr. Hoffman, I'm going to need you to tell me absolutely everything you can remember about the night that Monty died. From the top, there's one kind of evidence you can never scrub out. It's memory.
3: And we're going to look over every inch of memory we can find. 27 years. Time's so slippery, isn't it? If you don't grab hold of it, it just uh, slides away. <clears throat> My wife Lydia and I were a pretty well-known pair of researchers in our day. Each of us found some success in our own field. <laughs> Me, a xenobiologist, and her, a xenobiozoologist. Uh, can you imagine an odder couple? <laughs> but it wasn't until we found each other that our careers really took off our books about ecosystems of alien life with predictive models of what life in another galaxy might look like were sold to a popular audience. We were free to travel and conduct our research the galaxy over, Uh, though we'd always return to this estate to do the bulk of our writing. Those were personally and professionally the best years I've ever had. Not a day goes by that I don't mourn them. But in our studies, uh, well something changed. We were studying a microscopic species originally found in the Outer Rim with some regenerative properties that, uh, well, amazing is probably the best word for them. <laughs> if those properties could be applied to something besides that microbe, we thought, uh, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got ahead of myself then, too, because even with our success, we still didn't have the kind of money we needed to perform the experiments we wanted. We needed more than book sales money, more than academic money. We needed corporate money. Now, luckily, Lydia had an old college friend with the sort of connections we needed. Minty Kensington was her name, and she'd recently begun work representing a large pharmatech corporation. Uh, it wasn't the usual way of going about things. But if we could convince Minty to speak with someone at the corporation, we might find just the funding we needed. So we invited Minty over for a dinner that would knock her socks off. And that night, Monty was killed. Minty
1: and Monty, huh?
3: Hell of a pair. Was there anybody else in the estate that night? Lydia's brother, Chip Hoffman. Ugh, Chip. I was talking to him just before the dinner, as I recall. What about? I don't... No, I... (laughs) Don't think I
1: can remember. Nothing. You can't remember anything that either of you said.
3: Ah, my memory just isn't what it used to be. But I suppose... uh, hmm. I suppose I remember him asking if he could help in our meeting with Minty Kensington. And I remember, um, politely declining his offer. I I loved Chip. We all did. But he had a way of... uh, Well, he wasn't very professional... I thought our chances were better without him. I was just finishing up my conversation with Chip when I ran into Lydia and Minty talking in our sitting room. and I remember thinking I must have lost track of time because Minty wasn't due to arrive for another half an hour. Yout to worry about then, huh? Now, is that my lovely wife I hear?
4: Oh, Lawrence. And Chip.
3: And Minty Kensington. Half an hour early. My, you must be excited to hear our pitch. I trust my wife has given you everything you've asked for?
5: Um, yes. Of
3: course. I thought she would. Well, why don't we get started then? Chip, it's been a lovely chat, but we have some business to get to. Do you mind? Oh, uh, not at all. Um, have a good dinner. Well, dining room?
5: Of course. But first, Lydia? <laughs> that drink? Of course.
3: So the three of us, Lydia, Minty, and me, came to this room you're sitting in now. This was a very different place back then, when I had all the energy and wife necessary to keep it all up. Our research into alien life brought us across the galaxy, and sometimes we would take a specimen home with us. Uh, specimens like Monty here.
2: Monty here. Monty here.
3: And I tell you, we'd gone the whole nine yards to get on Minty Kensington's good side. Even our dinner came from our research. The Bakken Twin Sack Pufferfish. Since its discovery about a hundred years ago, everyone assumed it was completely impossible to eat. The twin sacs of its name contain liquid components that, when excreted and combined, become incredibly poisonous in large doses. In small doses, it can be quite a treat. A small poisoning from the Bakken pufferfish leads to feelings of giddiness and a great deal of laughter, uh, followed by a loss of consciousness. And when a man who has as much to drink about as I do says that, you know it must be bad. So you've poisoned yourself with this fish before? Well, not on purpose. I discovered the way to remove the pufferfish's twin sacks, and so I prepared the dinner myself. But, uh, clumsy me, I must have made a mistake, because... Well, never mind. Let's, let's tell it all in order. We'll get to that soon anyway. Monty was our pride and joy, though. If I'd known that having him there that night would put him in danger, well, he still probably would have been there. He was Lydia's favorite, and the only one of our specimens that ate dinner with us in this dining room, often right off of Lydia's plate. The fish needs just a bit longer in the oven, so why don't we talk business while we wait? Why don't we talk business while we wait?
4: Was that the bird? It was. Monty's been improving, haven't you little sweet? He's saying longer sentences every day.
2: Every day. Every day.
4: What?
3: Lydia took the lead in our pitch. There were concerns that I might... W- well, there were certain specific implications of our research I was very excited about, and Lydia didn't want them uh, brought up.
1: Does this have anything to do with the work you do now? Revivifying animals?
3: Oh, that's exactly right. Even at the very beginning of our process, I could see some of the implications of the regenerative properties we'd found. Now, With some application of nanotech cybernetics, plus an old-fashioned shock to the system, it, it could have been possible, I thought. But Lydia wanted us to focus on the research in front of us. We were students of alien life, she said, not necromancers. So what she said to convince Minty to fund us, uh, I, can, I can hardly remember it.
1: Anything you can remember.
3: It doesn't matter. It, it wasn't working. That's what I remember. Minty Kensington looked absolutely deflated throughout it. We weren't getting the excitement we needed from her. It was a relief when the fish was finally ready, but uh, only for a moment. The fish is finished. I don't mean to um, brag, but I cook quite the potentially deadly puffer fish.
4: Deadly? He's exaggerating, of course. Perhaps you should go check on the fish, Lawrence.
3: No need.
0: Our dinner is right here.
3: Chip, what? Don't are you- need to
1: introduce me, Law. I can handle it myself. Charles Hoffman, Chip, to friends past, present, future, including you. You must be Minty Kensington.
5: I am. Lydia, I didn't know someone else would be joining us for dinner. He is I'm not one to
1: make a big show of things, Miss Kensington. So I thought I'd let the experts weigh in on their exciting new tech before I made my appearance. I hope they haven't bored you completely to tears. There is nothing boring about... But I act as a sort of financial advisor to these two lovebirds. So any big decisions or events that involve cash flow involve me. So, in other words... If you want to give my sister and brother-in-law enough money to reinvent life as we know it, you'll have to go through me
3: first. Isn't that right, Lydia? I tried to catch Lydia's eye to put a stop to this madness, but she wasn't even looking at me. And, And who can blame her? Her eyes were focused on the second most beautiful specimen in the room, besides herself. Monty. Her full focus was in stroking his head, smoothing his feathers.
4: Of course, Chip, you can stay. Oh, I see. Well, it's very nice to meet you, Chip.
3: Lydia was always very protective of her brother. I think she went along with his fib so as not to embarrass him in front of our guest. And if I went against her in front of Minty, well, that would cause an embarrassing scene we couldn't afford. The dinner was getting away from me, in other words. And while the rest made small talk over our fish, I thought about how I could get things back on the, um rails even the fish itself hadn't been the clincher i hoped it would i must have gotten carried away and over seasoned it because it was was terribly salty finally i couldn't take it any longer it was a stretch based on the research we'd already done a stretch lydia and i had discussed and agreed not to mention but well i've never been a good listener drastic times called for drastic measures
5: that's a very nice suit chip Hashemi?
3: I usually just look at whatever's on the top shelf Minty. and buy three... What would you say if I told you we could reverse death itself with our research? Lawrence?
5: I'd say that's something that would have a large customer base.
3: How large?
5: <laughs> as large as everyone who's ever died. <laughs> well, Lawrence, uh, you have my attention.
3: I couldn't look at Lydia while I spoke. I explained the basic mechanics of my idea, and Minty didn't know enough to catch the places where I skipped problems or made guesses. I'd begun to feel very strange. It wasn't until later that I'd realized the fish was what had made me feel so odd. Dinner is a bit of a blur after that, but I recall something Minty said. Very, very the clearly. The
5: it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Bringing people back to life? That's magic, not science.
3: Oh, people, people, <laughs> people, people, people would have to come later. Simple <laughs> creatures with simple minds first. Plants to start. Then animals. But think about it. Your beloved pets would never have to die. They could just go on and on and on. And
5: on and on and on and on and on and on and It would be incredible if it
3: was true,
5: Lawrence. <laughs> but how are you going to get anyone to
4: believe it? It just sounds so...
3: <laughs> I know it would work. I, I know it. You don't
4: know anything, Lawrence.
3: Don't you start now, Lydia. Don't you start. I know it would work. And to prove it, I'll... I'll... Monty.
4: Yes! (laughs) Not you, dear, Monty.
3: And then I made a terrible promise, Detective Steele. Something I'd regret until, well, until the present day. I said, Monty, I'll kill the bird.
4: (laughs) You will do no such thing.
3: It wouldn't be forever, it would just be temporary. I'll kill Minty just to show you, Monty, that I believe we could bring someone back. I really do believe it.
5: (laughs) Yes! Yes, now that's a... (laughs) What, What did you say?
4: Lawrence? Lawrence? No. You will not. Lawrence!
3: I... don't remember. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I'm such a fool that I, I don't even remember the moment I destroyed my own life.
1: Based on what you said about the poison, you might have passed out at that point. You really
3: think you could have killed your bird while you were unconscious? I wish I could let myself off that easy, Detective. But it must have been a very light amount of that poison that made it into the dinner, because I was not completely unconscious. Uh, I remember hearing <laughs> shouting between Minty and oh, Lydia. I remember Lydia you? and Chip How talking to one another quietly. I, I must have been hallucinating, know. because I recall hearing Lydia arguing with Stop herself. It. And I remember
4: to the crack.
3: When I woke up, Monty was in my hands. Dead. So? So? Uh, have you figured it out? Who killed, um, Monty? Oh, hell no, of course not.
1: What, you thought you were just going to tell me a story and I was going to magic you an answer?
3: Then, what was all that?
1: Don't panic, Doc. I'm not saying I can't solve it. But I'll need more stories than just yours. The other three who were there that night, Lydia and Chip
3: and Minty, do you think you could get me in contact with them? My name can open a lot of doors for you, Detective. Let me make a few calls.
1: Lawrence wasn't kidding. He had a meeting with Minty Kensington lined up for me so fast, I needed to push the ruby to its max speed just to show up half an hour late.
5: Lauren said you'd be coming, but on second thought, I'm not sure I have very much to say. That dinner was almost 30 years ago. You understand. I can hardly remember much.
1: Is that so? Uh, It's a shame, Miss Kensington, a real shame. Especially because, I hope you don't mind my saying this, but... I was really looking forward to trying this aged bottle of scotch Dr. Hoffman gave me for us to crack open. But I guess if you've got nothing to say... That's
5: Lawrence Hoffman's liquor? Well, I'm sure I can come up with something. Come in, Detective. Uh, please, come in.
1: Lawrence hadn't given me the liquor, but I'd taken it anyway. I'd had a hunch I'd need it. From the story he told, I'd guess that Minty Kensington had quite a bit of that liquor the day of the Hoffman's big pitch. And besides that, I'd guess that Minty might need a little bit of social grease before she'd answer one of my questions in particular.
5: Oh! Lawrence always had such good taste. In liquor, in women, in... Oh, there I go, getting carried away again. Don't mind me.
1: It's kind of my job to mind, Miss Kensington. And speaking of which... Can I ask you a question?
5: Can you hand me the bottle?
1: I'll do you one better. I'll pour.
5: Oh, thank you. No
1: problem. What I'm curious about, Miss Kensington, is this. Have you spoken with Dr. Hoffman any time recently?
5: Lawrence? Only when he called to say that you would be coming.
1: Uh, No, no, not Lawrence, Miss Kensington. Lydia. Lydia. I'll take that as a no. Follow-up question. She's why you showed up so early on the night of that dinner, isn't she?
5: Early? I'm afraid I don't know what you mean.
1: Lawrence said he bumped into the two of you half an hour before you were supposed to arrive. Uh, Tell me if I'm wrong, of course, but that sounds to me like you were looking for Lydia specifically. I'm just curious why.
5: Don't tell Lawrence.
1: I probably won't have any reason to. I'm just trying to figure out everything I can about what happened that day. If you tell me and it's not relevant, I got no reason to report back. But if you don't, I might have a few more questions for him.
5: Is that a threat?
1: I didn't think so, but I guess that depends on how you feel about Lawrence Hoffman.
5: Oh, no. I have nothing against Lawrence. He's a very generous man. It's only that on certain topics, that is, in certain scenarios... Fine, then. Perhaps it would be easiest if I just told the whole thing.
1: Yeah, mind if my secretary takes some notes?
5: I'd prefer that, actually. If I have to tell this, I'd really rather only tell it once. I'm guessing Lawrence told you that Lydia and I went to college together and, well, we... That is, once after a long night of talking and drinking, we... And I've never been able to forget it. Oh, trust me, I've tried, but it all just sticks. And so, it had been around 20 years since that night. But I still felt I had to talk to Lydia about it. Still felt I had to try, if you understand what I mean. It gnaws at you. A feeling like you missed your shot at happiness. So when I got the call from her for dinner, I... Well, I suppose I misunderstood what it was all about. The day of, I was an anxious wreck. I tried to wait for dinner, really I did, but then I just found myself in my car an hour early and then I was on Bacchus. Lydia answered the door. I don't know what I would have done if Lawrence had.
4: Minty, you're early.
5: Lydia, I have something to ask you. Something private. Yes? Do you... That is, could I... Could I ask you for something to drink? Of course. Please, come in. I was a nervous wreck, as I said. A drink would steady my nerves, I thought. Give me something to focus on instead of Lydia's... Instead of her. Do you understand what I mean?
1: I do. Did you ever get up the courage to tell her?
5: I did. It took nearly 20 minutes, and my drink was just rattling ice in my glass by the time I was done, but I did. And once I had, she went very quiet. Lydia could be... can be... so deathly quiet when she's thinking. So still. Her face doesn't move a muscle. It's impossible to read. That's one of the things I've always found so fascinating about her, to be honest. She has this incredible mind. This genius mind. But getting through to it, discovering what's going on inside it, it is so impossible. So tantalizing, so... Anyway, when she broke that silence, I knew what she was going to say before she
4: said it. Minty, I love you too. You do? Of course. We've been such dear friends for so long, and I'll always love you that way, as my friend. As your friend. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To have a friend you know so much about. Beautiful, yes. Beautiful. I hope I haven't hurt your feelings. No, no, of
5: course not. No, how could you? You and Lawrence. Lawrence and Lydia. The Doctor's Hoffman. Such an incredible duo. Such a
4: strong, unbreakable bond. I'm so glad you understand, Minty. If anything were to happen to our friendship, that would be such an awful shame, don't you think? Don't you think things are best this way? Best? Lovely, yes. Absolutely lovely. Lovely. Could I trouble you for another drink? Oh, Lawrence. And Chip.
3: And Minty Kensington. Lydia tried to sell
5: me on her research. She really did. But I have to admit, my mind was somewhere else entirely. I don't recall much about the start of that meal besides Lawrence's liquor and the taste of that salted fish. I'm sure Lawrence told you about the mess with the poison.
1: He did, Yeah.
5: I don't remember much after we ate. I was already fairly light-headed from Lawrence's liquor. That poison in the fish, whatever it was, well, I didn't stand much of a chance. I recall Lawrence making some absurd promise or another-
3: Monty! I'll kill the bird!
5: And I remember getting into an argument with Lydia. <laughs> you knew I still felt this way about you, didn't
3: you? You
5: knew, and you called me to this dinner knowing it.
4: <laughs> Monty, stop it. Get a hold of yourself. That's awful, Lydia.
5: <laughs> That's so horrible. <laughs> but then I passed out, and I don't remember anything at all.
1: What were your feelings about Monty? the bird that Lawrence killed.
5: Oh, I hated that bird. Couldn't stand it. It kept talking while we were talking, and it would either make these terrible squawks, or even worse, it would mimic someone absolutely perfectly. It was eerie. That's awful, Lydia. That's so horrible. That's awful, Lydia. That's so horrible. I don't think anybody besides Lydia really liked it, and maybe Lawrence. Or maybe Lawrence just liked Lydia? It was always sort of hard to tell.
1: Lawrence seems to think that bird was the glue that held the two of them together.
5: That might be true. They didn't stay together much longer after that night. But I think it was more like, how could Lawrence do such a thing? When we were under the influence of the poison, it all seemed so fun, so funny, so frivolous. But when I woke and saw Lydia sobbing over that dead bird, it was just, it was so, she couldn't even look at Lawrence. It was a nightmare. But even so, I think I felt glad. Yes, glad. Something had shaken the unshakable Hoffmans, even if it was something as horrible as a dead bird.
1: Did you kill a cockatiel, Miss Kensington?
5: What kind of question is that?
1: You don't have to answer it, but I might have to tell Lawrence you decided not to answer it.
5: I didn't. I couldn't. Something so grisly. And even besides that, the poison! And I'd had, well, i had quite a bit to drink. To be honest, the combination must have done something to me, because I woke up much later than everyone else, and I was sick for weeks afterwards. <clears throat> Needless to say, the corporation I represented did not end up sponsoring the Hoffmans' research after that. I didn't even bring it up. Poison that lifts your mood. If I'd told any of that story at all, they'd have thought the Hoffmans poisoned me on purpose. Not that I think they did, of course. They aren't like that. Certainly Lydia isn't like that. So I just never brought it up.
1: That's very useful. Thanks. One last question, Miss Kensington. Do you happen to know how I could get in contact with Lydia Hoffman?
5: I'm afraid I don't. Despite everything Lydia said, or despite everything we said to one another about our friendship, I haven't spoken to Lydia Hoffman in many years. Now, if you'll excuse me, Detective, I
2: think I've had enough of these questions.
1: Can't say I blame you, Miss Kensington. Thanks for your time. You get all that, Rita?
2: It's all here in black and white with lots of bright pink highlights, Mr. Steele. But I don't see how any of it's going to be useful. It sounded just the same as Dr. Hoffman's story.
1: You never know how it's useful until it is. That's just how gathering evidence goes. I tried contacting Lydia again after my meeting with Minty. Still no answer. She was going to be a tough one to get, I thought. Her brother Chip wasn't nearly so difficult, though. According to Lawrence's information, he was living in a floating apartment block just a few planets away from Bacchus. The place looked like a retirement home for the irresponsibly wealthy. Beautiful and decadent, sure, but also ringed by a fence too tall to climb, just in case somebody went wandering. It all gave the impression of a playpen for the rich and reckless. Meeting Chip Hoffman would prove me right on that one. The front desk told me that Chip's room was on the far end of the east wing, on the first floor, didn't take long to find.
0: Uh, yeah? Who is it?
1: Is this Chip Hoffman? Brother of Lydia Hoffman?
3: Who wants
1: to know? Mr. Hoffman, my name's Juno Steele. I'm a private investigator hired by your former brother-in-law, Lawrence Hoffman. I'm just here to ask a few questions about a case you might have some information on. Do you have a minute to talk? Uh, Mr. Hoffman? Chip? Chip? Uh, of course! Um, I'll be there in just a minute, detective. Thanks. There, that wasn't so hard.
2: Seems like just about the only thing that ain't hot about this case, Mr. Steele. Do you think that nice man Lawrence really killed his own bird?
1: I don't know yet, Rita. I'm trying not to decide any of that just yet. He probably did, but, well, our job this time is to investigate every angle on what could have happened that night 27 years ago. If we go in deciding that the most obvious answer is the only answer... And we're sunk before we even started.
2: Um, um, wait, actually, this is super interesting, Mr. Steele, but... So,
1: Minty Kensington's version of the story is pretty simple. She spent most of that dinner knocked out, after all, but that doesn't mean we can rule her out. Mr. Steele! Hold on, Rita, I'm on a roll here. If the bird's death broke up the doctors Hoffman and Minty was interested in Lydia, that was kind of a motive. Break up the two that make another move on Lydia? No, that doesn't make sense. Unless... But how would Minty have known the Hoffmans would break up over some birds?
2: Mr. Steele, look out the
1: window! So I finally looked, and I saw something a little strange. A guy, running for his life, away from me. He looked about 20 years older than me, Chip Hoffman's age, according to Lawrence.
2: Whoever that is, he's in an awful hurry, ain't he?
1: Chip? Mr. Hoffman? Damn. Rita, I think he's making a break for it. To
2: where? This is a hover island.
1: I don't know, but I've got too many questions for him to disappear on me just yet. Mr. Steele! Ship Hoffman, wait! Stay away. I do anything wrong. People do some really stupid things when they're scared. Lawrence Hoffman paying whatever I asked out of fear that he might have ruined his own life. Mindy Kensington, confessing her feelings to a taken woman for another shot at fleeting happiness, me chasing after a thief who did not want me following him because I felt I couldn't live without him, or take Chip Hoffman, running full tilt away from me and looking as guilty as possible doing it. If Chip had killed Monty, this jog of his was as good as a confession. If he killed him, that is. So I set off on the grass behind him, and I had one advantage over Chip. Because he might have been running for his own life, but I was running for someone else's. And that's always been when I run the fastest.
0: If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider supporting The Penumbra. You can do so by buying our merchandise. Just search for The Penumbra Podcast on dftba.com to find posters, pins, apparel, soundtracks, and recordings of our live shows. You can also make a one-time donation to The Penumbra via PayPal, at The Penumbra Podcast. Or, if you'd like to keep our stories running in the long term, we hope you will support us on Patreon. Every dollar helps. At just $4 per episode or higher, you will receive ad-free episodes two days before the public release. At the $7 level, you will gain access to behind-the-scenes content and production scripts. And at the $10 level, you will receive access to commentary tracks like this one with co-creators Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Vibert. Rashomon is, um, a Japanese film classic. And... Is that Kurosawa? Yes. And, uh, your boyfriend, isn't it? Oh, yes, of course. Um... What's his name?
2: You forgot your own boyfriend's name? Uh,
0: Toshiro Mifune. Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> we would like to give thanks to all who support us on Patreon, but especially to Alim Muktadir, Brittany Potter, The Emerald Eight, This Podcast, haha, ha, Tony in the Case of the Final Season, Mr. Me, Myself, and I, Ren, Cody Spaghetti, Kira, Jack M. Cohen, Girl in the Midnight Sky, Thank you, Penumbra Team, for your amazing work. Braylin. Hannah and Leah's adventures and gender shenanigans. Ferdinand Entrelac, Adrienne S. Sydney has been taken over. Shelley Schrode. Kevin, please say butts on live recording, thanks. Jammy. Nelson. Osipit. Evitkani. Diana Cause. Benjamin Fisher. SCP Chloe. Desert Willow wants Nareev to return to his pirate detective. Theo Alex Dean Nate Gibson June Gishoku Skyfire Forever Allison Hull Stryker Flynn Liv Allen Alice the Time Lord In Memory of Spiral Opal Eden the Gay Bookworm Michael David Smith Guess Who Now Murmurs Oh St. Damien Every Time Something Mildly Distressing Happens Kiki's Podcast Patronage Service Caroline Seidman Radius Salna Rain and Pippin from the Glen Dimension, Karen ZH, Jupiter Divorce Era, Genetic, Danny the Spoon Lord, Minchowski, Ash, and Jamie Gunter for their incredibly generous contributions per episode. Thank you. This tale, Juno Steel and the Bird's Eye View, was told by the following people Joshua Elon as Juno Steel, Kate Jones as Rita, Bob Musett as Lawrence Hoffman, Melody Pereira as Lydia Hoffman, Quinn McKenzie as Chip Hoffman, and Linda Garcia as Minty Kensington. The Penumbra is created and produced by Harley Takaki Kaner and Kevin Vibrant. If you wish to know more about the full production team, you can read about them in the show notes of this episode. I'm afraid that is our time for today, dear traveler. We hope you will join us again soon.